0: (laughs) Hi, I'm Holly I'm Caleb Joshua I decided to open up my own agency I'm a lawyer I'm a colorist in the fashion industry I work at a law firm I'm a professional boy wrangler I work in commercial real estate I'm a seasoned human resources professional Emails and client calls And I lost the house that I cherish A typical day is waking up next to my wife Couldn't get her out of my head (laughs) I'm the tallest person in my family I like to make comic books. I got a tattoo of a tree. I love I love that. Yeah, so that's all I think about. Who do you think Who do you think you are? That is the question. Who do you think you are? Last week we began a series through the Book of Ephesians looking at our identity and we said last week that our identity is in Christ. And we looked at a couple things along with that that our identity is in Christ which means we're saints. And it means that we're blessed, and we listed a couple things about what that means to be blessed. And we, we also said that everything that we're going to talk about in this series really comes down to this, this little statement here, which is, when you know who you are, then you know what to do, right? So when you know that you're a college student in Christ, you know that, What you're supposed to do. You know that going out, partying, staying up late, and and not honoring your parents through, through the way that you study and spend their money while you're in school, you know that that's not what you're supposed to do. You know that you're a college student in Christ. When you're a parent, you know that you're a parent in Christ. And so you ought to parent, you ought to shepherd your children in that way. You know that you're an employee who's in Christ. And so when Just because your boss isn't looking doesn't mean you can get on Facebook for eight hours a day, right? You're an employee in Christ. You remember that you work for God, not for an employer, right? So we saw that when you know who you are, then you know what to do. And this week, we're going to talk about something that's um, probably a little bit different of an idea for most of us. And we're going to talk about uh, the fact that when we are in Christ, we are appreciated. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But how many of you have ever felt unappreciated? If you're a mom, just go ahead and you can put both hands up. Um, my wife is amazing. She's the most amazing mom and wife that anyone could ever have. And even if I were to tell her thank you every minute of every day, it would never uh, be adequate to show my appreciation for her. Uh, so moms especially. I know dads at times, we we can feel unappreciated, right? You do something for your kids and they just kind of like, well, yeah, I expected you to do that for me because you're dad, and you're kind of thinking, well, I'd love a little something back, right? Uh, So we feel unappreciated, and we've all been there. We all want to be appreciated. Uh, I heard a story once of a man who was retiring for his company. He had worked at the company since he was 18, and he was retiring. Started in the mailroom, worked his way all the way up to one of the upper levels of management, and he got a note from his boss. And it came in a little box, and he was expecting that this was, you know, the, the gold watch. This was going to be the Rolex, and he opens it, and there's no watch. But there's a note inside that says, uh, no money for a watch, but here's a number where you can call and get the time, right? So he does not feel very appreciated at this point, all this year of service, and this is how you repay me? But we all like to feel appreciated. Uh, one of the things that, that I think we have to be aware of when we think about appreciation and, and God's thanks for us or his, his pleasure in us is that we have to realize that if we look to the world for our appreciation, we're going to find ourselves disappointed very, very often. I already mentioned parents. You know, our kids never tell us thanks as much as, as uh, many of us deserve. And I got to be honest, as a pastor, um, we have a great team of volunteers here at River Rock Bible Church, and I'm not the best at at showing my appreciation for them, at telling them thank you. For our members, I'm not the best at saying thank you for your faithfulness, thank you for your faithfulness in serving, thank you for your faithfulness in giving, thank you for your faithfulness in the gospel, but if you're depending on your pastor or your boss or your parents or your children for that appreciation, for that thanks, you're going to be disappointed. And so you have to go back to understanding what God says about you versus what the world says about you. Uh, And here's, here's the problem. The reason why I think most of us don't show our appreciation all the time is because, or we get offended when we don't get the appreciation that we think we deserve, is because we think we're the most important person in the world, right? It's just nature. That's the way it is. We think we're the most important person. You see this very clearly. How many of you have to drive into Austin to go to work? You've got to sit through some traffic, right? We see this very clearly when you're sitting in traffic. Everyone thinks that they're the most important person in the world, right? I'm going to zip around you and and hit those red lights just one car ahead of you because I need to get there before you do. We think we're the most important person in the world. How many of you have ever been to a, a concert or a sporting event, and when it's over, trying to get out of the parking lot, what's that like? you got people doing the same thing, like... They're not going to let you in. They're going to stick the front end of their car in there just so you can't get by. And so they're one car ahead of you. Like it makes a deal because they're the most important person. they got to get out of there faster. My favorite is this. Anybody ever been on an airplane? Right? When it lands? Anybody ever been on an airplane going to a different country or from another country? Uh, It's a whole different story, right? People, there are no rules. Everybody stands up at once. I don't know how. 250 people stand up at once and you're standing there like this and everybody's trying to get their stuff out of the overhead bins because I'm the most important and I need to get off the plane first, right? We see it all the time. We, we, We forget to appreciate others. How does it feel when you're unappreciated? How does it feel? How does it make you feel when when you're expecting that appreciation and it never comes? If you look to the world for your appreciation, you're going to find yourself disappointed quite often. But here's what we're going to see this morning in Ephesians chapter 1. What we have to remember is that God knows and sees everything, right? God knows and sees all that takes place. That's a big, big word that we use in church called omniscience, right? He knows everything. It's a big word. Um, And what we're going to see here this morning is... Paul's thankfulness for the Ephesians. Let's look at chapter 1, verse 15. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. All right, so first thing, just want to kind of fill you in. Last week, remember, uh, we looked at, I think it's verses 3 through 14. That was all one sentence. Verses 15 through 23 That's another one of those, it's all one sentence kind of a deal. So, Paul's got some big stuff that he's talking about, and it's all one single thought. But he starts with, thank you. He starts by saying, thank you to the Ephesians. I appreciate you. You bring joy to me because of two things. Number one, your faith in Jesus Christ, right? The fact that you are in Christ. And number two, that you have love for all the saints, that you're loving one another. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a minute. But here's something that, that we have to understand. is We believe in something called uh, plenary inspiration. That's a big word. It just means verbal inspiration. Okay, some of you are still like, uh, I'm confused. Still don't get it. Okay, so what that means is this. That even though this is the voice of Paul, and this was a letter written by Paul's hand, this message is directly from God. Right, So we believe that God inspires the Scriptures. You go to uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed. In 1 Peter, uh, it tells us that, that the writers of Scripture were carried along by the Holy Spirit in God. Right? So this message that Paul is relaying to the Ephesians, is we could take it as coming directly from God. Now how many of you this morning, how many of you would say it would make a huge difference in your life if you could hear from God, thank you. I appreciate you. How many of you would say that that would make a difference in your life? And I know this is kind of a weird concept, but let me explain this. Okay, so this is weird for us to think about God appreciating us or being thankful for us because God doesn't need anything from us, does he? God doesn't need a single thing from us. But when we say that God appreciates us or he's thankful for us, what we mean is that he takes pleasure in us. The fact that when we put our trust in Christ, when we are in Christ, he takes pleasure in that. And the angels in heaven rejoice. When we follow him, when we live out our obedience to him, and we're faithful to him, he takes pleasure in that. Right? And I know some of you are still kind of weirded out by this idea that God appreciates me, God takes pleasure in me, but here's the reality that God doesn't see you. God doesn't see me. Right? He doesn't see my sinfulness. He doesn't see my mistakes. What God sees when he looks at me is his son, Jesus Christ, because I am in Christ through my faith in him. And what happened was on the cross that Jesus died. He took all the penalty and all the shame and all the guilt and all the sin that we have upon himself, and he died on the cross in our place. And when we put our trust in him that he lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, and on the third day rose again, when we put our trust in that, God no longer sees Charlie. And his sinfulness, he sees his son, Jesus Christ. And what does he say about his son? This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Right? And so it's kind of a weird concept, but but just understand that when we use the word appreciated, really what we're talking about is that God takes pleasure in us. It brings God joy that he would see us come to faith and see us live out our faith through faithfulness to him. Now again, I know some of you are probably still wrestling with this idea, but let me give you two evidences for the fact that God appreciates us. Number one, uh, he lets us take part in his work. He lets us participate in his work. God, as we already said, he doesn't need anything from us. In fact, God could probably do everything that he asks us to do better and faster than we, when we do it. How many of you have kids in here uh, who've ever tried to help you do something? Right? Right? help. I use that in air quotes, right? They try to help you do something, help you put up the Christmas lights. They try to help you make dinner, and it ends up taking way more time, and it's a lot more messy than if you had just done it yourself. But they're helping you, right? Well, it's the same thing for us in God, right? He could do everything himself and get it done way faster with much better results. There would be no messiness, but he chooses to allow us to participate in his work because it brings him pleasure. And so he shows his appreciation. Here's the, the second part of that is this, that um, we have blessing and reward for participating in his work. So not only does he give us work to do and let us participate in it, when we do it, when we're faithful to him, he blesses us, right? Uh, Chapter 1, verse 3, with every spiritual blessing, we're not talking material blessing, although sometimes God blesses people materially, but that's not what we have in mind. Uh, When we honor God and we're faithful to him, he gives us hope, he gives us peace, he gives us joy, he gives us all these spiritual blessings. And then, when we get to heaven, the inheritance that we have are the treasures that we store up for ourselves. Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And so as a believer, someone who is in Christ, what we need to understand is that when we stand before God, when we pass from this life, whether Jesus comes back or we die, when we stand before God, we're going to stand before what's called the bema, the judgment seat. But this judgment seat of Christ is not the same judgment as in you get into heaven or you get into hell. Because there is no punishment for those who are in Christ. That penalty has already been paid. And so our judgment is a judgment of our faithfulness. Where God says, you have been faithful in this, here is your reward. You were faithful in this, here is your reward. You were faithful in this, here is your reward. God takes pleasure in that. It brings him honor, it brings him glory. Again, I know that this is, this is a weird idea to think that God would appreciate us, be thankful for us. But again, what we're saying is that God takes pleasure in our faith and in our faithfulness. And that's the first thing that I want to get across to us this morning. Um, Now, I I know that some of us still have a hard time uh, recognizing that God has called us to do works, and and has anyone ever had this experience, maybe I'm the only one, have you ever had a hard time receiving appreciation or thanks? Anybody? Am I the only one? Okay, here's what we tend to do in the church. We do something, we serve in a special way, we maybe um, deliver a halfway decent message, and someone comes up and says, thank you, and what's our response? Oh, was all God. It's all God. No, no. Right? And, and that's kind of our default, which it's true. Yes, it was God working in and through me. But I don't think we have to be afraid of just saying thank you. Thank you. That means a lot to me to, to know that God spoke to you through me or that God ministered to you through me. It's okay to say thank you. Ephesians 2.10, we're going to look at it next week, says this. It says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared for us in advance to do. That means from the moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ, even before that, God has prepared works for you to do. And so when you do those works, and when you show yourself to be faithful, and someone says thank you, it's okay to say thank you. Thank you for acknowledging my faithfulness. Thank you for telling me that God worked through me to honor you, to bring you closer to him. All right, so let's move on. Um, What we're really talking about this morning is that when we are in Christ and we know who we are, that, that helps us know what to do. And we know that we are in Christ. We know that God appreciates us. He takes pleasure in us. He is thankful for us. When we know that, that it changes some of our behavior, right? When you know who you are, then you know what to do. When you know you're appreciated, it changes how you relate to other people and even how you relate to God. And we see this in a number of ways. Um, The first thing is, the first implication of knowing you're appreciated is this, that appreciated people exchange performing for serving. Appreciated people exchange performing for serving. And we see this very clearly with the Apostle Paul, uh, that he is not performing for the Ephesians, he is serving them. Remember, he's in prison, he's been beaten, he's been shipwrecked, he's had all these things happen to him, yet he doesn't sit there and list out all of his accolades. He's serving them. He's not performing for them because he knows that God sees all and that God has already taken pleasure in the work that he's doing. So he's not looking to man for his, um, for his appreciation. And here's the difference. Performance is when you do something in the sight of man for the approval of man. Serving is when you do something in the, uh, in the sight of God, knowing that he sees it all and it's for his pleasure. And it doesn't matter what somebody says. It doesn't matter if someone ever recognizes you for moving every single chair every single Sunday because you know that God sees it and he takes pleasure in that. It doesn't matter if, if you share the gospel 10 times and you see 10 people trust Christ in one week. It doesn't matter if you, you have to paste, post that to your Facebook post. Uh, it doesn't matter that people know about it because you know that God sees it and he appreciates, he is thankful, he is blessed and he takes pleasure in your faithfulness. Um. What we don't see from Paul is this. He doesn't sit there and he's not posting to his Facebook page, hey, just finished the book of Ephesians today. Hope you enjoy it. Hashtag inspired, right? He doesn't sit there and say, hey, look, I'm in prison for Jesus Christ. Hashtag suffering for Jesus. He doesn't say, hey, I'm in prison. By the way, I've got to provide my own food. I'm getting kind of hungry. Someone bring me a, a ham sandwich or a BLT. Hashtag new covenant, right? He doesn't say all that. What he says is, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Let me encourage you. Even in the midst of his struggles, he is serving and not performing. He is serving and not performing. And let me tell you, this is a personal struggle of my own. In fact, I have a a good friend uh, from my old church where I was a youth pastor for five years. He was a professional counselor, and he knew how much performance meant to me. I'm a type A. I am a high D, right? Performance is, uh, is it's what I do. Uh, it's my personality. It's the way God has designed me. And, and I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. A little, little bit. Who laughed? Who, come on, who was laughing at that? John. All right, so <laughs> I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. And I, uh, it's hard for me to accept when things don't go perfectly. And so he got me this book called The Performance Trap. And it was all about how, uh, and we would talk and have conversations about how when we focus on our performance and what man sees, we get in this trap and we can never be content. But God's desire is that we would be content. And so I just want to give you a warning that, that God calls us to serve and not to perform. That's the first thing we see. Ask yourself, are you performing or are you serving? Are you performing or are you serving? The second implication we see is this, that appreciated people exchange grumbling for praying. Let's go back to verses 15 through 16. Paul says, for this reason, everything that he said before about their faith in Jesus Christ, he says, because of your faith and your faithfulness to the saints, ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul is in prison. He's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's been left for dead. He's caused riots. He's been thrown out of cities. He's, in fact, in jail again for preaching the gospel. He has had a rough go of things. And he could sit there and write to the Ephesians about all the problems he's having and about all the things that he's faced and the people who don't like him. But he doesn't do that. He exchanges grumbling for praying. And here's the difference. Grumbling is when you talk to people about other people or problems that you are having. Praying is when you talk to God about it, right? So appreciated people, people who know that God takes pleasure in me, exchange their grumbling for praying. And so this is, this is a hard thing to do. Man, I think every single one of us at some point in our life has been guilty of grumbling. Or am I the only one? right? We know that grumbling is a sin. I mean, go back and read about Moses and what happened when the people grumbled against them. Trust me, you don't want to be caught up in that camp. But what we see is that appreciated people exchange grumbling for praying. And we've all been there. We've all grumbled at some point. And it's very hard because we want someone that we can see face to face. But God says, I see it all. I know it all. I see what you do. Come to me, When you have a problem, when you have an issue, come to me. Pray to me because I'm really the only one who can do something about it. I'm the one who can give you the wisdom and the knowledge to know how to handle this situation. Yes, I might encourage you to go seek wise counsel. Man, I am so blessed by our elder board here at River Rock Bible Church because when I have an issue that maybe there's something comes up in ministry or in the community that I'm just thinking I don't know how to respond to this uh, as the pastor I can pray about it is usually the first step. And then I go to the elders and say, man, what do you guys think? You guys help me through this. And I get their counsel. God says, take it to the elders. Get their counsel. Um, Hopefully you have a a man or woman in your life who can be that counsel for you as well. Um, When you're praying about something and you're just not hearing, um, it's not grumbling or complaining if you have someone that you can go to and say, hey, look, pray with me through this. Walk with me through this. I want to I make sure I'm praying about this and not grumbling about it. Um, God doesn't, uh, Paul doesn't ask God to give them what they don't already have, but to reveal to them what they already have. Right? He doesn't say give them more of something, but reveal to them what they already have because they are in Christ. And that is his prayer. His prayer is that they would have intimacy and knowledge and a relationship with God, that they would know him more. He exchanges his grumbling for praying, and I think the best example of this is Jesus Christ on the cross. When Jesus is on the cross, he had, if anyone ever had a right to complain about something, it was Jesus. He was sinless. He was guiltless. He was innocent. Yet, he was nailed to a cross, by sinful men. And what does he say when he's on that cross? He doesn't look down. He doesn't say, man, I came down here to show you guys how to be closer to God and this is the thanks I get. No. He prays, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because he knew that he was honoring God. He knew that he was bringing God pleasure. Appreciated people exchanged grumbling for praying. The next thing we see is this, that appreciated people exchange boasting for encouraging. All the reasons that Paul had for grumbling were reasons that he had to boast, right? Because as Christians, like when we're suffering, Jesus said, blessed are you when you suffer for my name, when people persecute you for my name. That's a blessing. So as believers, uh, Paul had every right to say, hey, look, look at what I'm doing for God. Look at how I am serving God. And he could have boasted in that. But instead, he encourages. He encourages. And here's what he says to them. Starting in verse 17, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his incomparably great power for us who believe the power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. So Paul prays a number of things for them and he starts by acknowledging God first. He starts by acknowledging God the Father and says, look, before we can understand that we are appreciated, we need to show our appreciation to God, the Father of Jesus Christ, for what he's done through us, through his Son. We're going to start there. And then he prays for a number of things. Again, he prays for them to understand their hope, not something that they don't have, but something that they already do have, that God would reveal that to them and make it real to them. And then he goes on and he, he prays um, that they would know God better. How many of you this morning would say, I want to know God better? Man, if, if I could just know God better, life would be so much easier. What Paul is saying is, I'm praying that you would know God's character and that you would know his will. When you know God's character, it changes who you are. It brings you a desire to be more like him, to reflect him. And the way we do that is through praying and knowing his will. Reading his scripture. God, what is your will for me? That's Paul's first prayer. The second thing he says is that you have the hope of inheritance. He's praying that they would have spiritual insight into God. That God would give them spiritual insight into who he is. So that they can better understand. So that they can have that intimate, deep, personal relationship with him. That's Paul's desire. He's encouraging them. Now... If you're anything like me, when you don't feel appreciated, you find yourself in this little trap where you have to make known every little thing that you do. Um, the best example of this is there have been times, probably just once, when I've let Amanda go have a day to herself. And, I, man, I'm taking care of the kids. I do nap time. I'm doing diapers. And I'm washing dishes. I'm getting the house clean. I'm running the vacuum. And she comes home, and she's had a nice, refreshing day and it, most of the time she acknowledges it. I got to say, she's very good uh, about saying thank you. But sometimes she comes home and doesn't say anything. And that's when I go, uh-huh. Uh-huh. You, do you see the sink? Do you, you, you notice that I, I did the dishes? Do you, do you notice that uh, none of the kids have poopy diapers? Did you notice that the yard's mode? Did you notice that the vacuum's been run, right? And I start boasting about all these things that I have done because I'm looking for encouragement. But when we recognize that God already takes pleasure in us simply by the fact that we are in Christ, then that goes away. And we can exchange our boasting for encouraging. Instead of having the focus be on us, we can have the focus be on God. We can have the focus be on what God is doing and we can encourage others in that. We can come alongside of them and say, man, let me help you. Let me walk with you through this season of your life. I want to encourage you. I want to be here with you through this. Uh, A lot of times it comes out in the form of competition. When we don't feel appreciated, we find ourselves competing with other people. Maybe someone made the dean's list. Maybe someone got a promotion. Maybe someone got a raise. And Maybe someone uh, just got a new house and you're like, I want that. They're getting employee of the month. I want my name on that plaque. They're getting on the dean's list. I want my name on that plaque. So what do we do? We start performing so that we can get acknowledged, and we start competing against other people rather than encouraging them, right? Because the world tells us that when someone else fails, that means we've succeeded, right? But Scripture tells us when we help others succeed, then we've succeeded. When we've encouraged others, when we see them succeed, when we help them take their next steps with God, when we encourage them in that relationship, then that is success. Not making other people fail so that we can be one rung higher on the ladder. And here's, here's the thing, when, when we find ourselves boasting and we're still not getting that appreciation, it often leads us to bitterness. And this is the last, last thing we're going to talk about. Uh, The last implication of being in Christ and knowing that God takes pleasure in you, that he appreciates you, he is thankful for you in Christ, is this, that appreciated people exchange bitterness for thankfulness. Appreciated people exchange bitterness for thankfulness. Um, Paul could have easily become bitter. He could have very easily become bitter because of his circumstances. As far as we know, at this time in his life, Paul was not married. As far as we know, at this time in his life, he didn't have any kids. He was alone. When he was in prison, he was often alone, chained to a Roman guard. Um, He had people that abandoned him in the mission field. Again, he'd been shipwrecked. He'd been beaten. He'd been left for dead. He'd been run out of towns. I mean, he had every reason for just giving up and getting bitter. In fact, if you read much of the New Testament, I love it when people say, man, we just need to be like the New Testament church. I'm like, which one do you want to be like? Corinthians? Galatians? You read those books? You know how messed up those people are? You really want to be like one of those churches, right? And so he had planted all these churches and he could have been bitter against these people. Why aren't you listening to me? Why don't you just do what I say? Don't you realize that I'm writing to you the inspired word of God? Why can't you just get your act together? And he could have gotten bitter at the times that people let him down, at the times he was disappointed, but he doesn't do that. He says, thank you. He says, I'm thankful. And it all goes back to this because he recognizes the power of God in his own life and in the lives of other, others. In verse 21, going a little bit back in verse 20, he says, um, the strength which he exerted, God exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him To be head over everything for the church, which is the body of Christ. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Paul says, look, I, I, I could be angry about my circumstances. I could be bitter about all this stuff. But here's the reality. I'm thankful because in Christ, I'm filled in every way. In Christ, I know that God takes pleasure in me. And I want to encourage you in that too. He says, I want to encourage you in this and know that you ought to be thankful to God. Exchange your bitterness for thankfulness. Don't focus on the things that are not good. Focus on the main thing, that Jesus Christ died for your sins and you are saved through faith in him. Keep your focus on that and you will be thankful. It's so easy for us to look around our lives and say, you know what, I don't have a nice car. I'm not the best looking guy. I I wish I were four inches taller. I wish I were 20 pounds less. I wish whatever. I wish I had a bigger house. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. And we can be bitter about our circumstances or we can recognize how much God has already given us, how much he has already filled us when we are in Christ. And there's nothing that can take that away. That even on our worst days, We are still in Christ, and we still have that hope. I want to just encourage us with this last last thing. Um, As you think through this, think again about who it is that appreciates you in these verses. Remember, this is God speaking through the Apostle Paul, not just to the Ephesians, but to you this morning. And God says, I am thankful for you. And by that, he means I take pleasure in you because you are in Christ. When you know who you are, then you know what to do. Knowing that you're in Christ and knowing that God takes pleasure in you in Christ ought to change how you relate to others and how you relate to God. Are you performing or serving? Are you praying or grumbling? Are you boasting or encouraging? Are you bitter or are you thankful? Let me just remind you one last time, if you're looking to man for his approval, if you're looking to man for his appreciation, for his thanks, you're going to find yourself disappointed. But when you understand that God is thankful for you, and God takes pleasure in you because you are in Christ, things change. You find yourself serving. You find yourself praying. You find yourself encouraging. And you find yourself thankful. Let's pray. Father, this, this morning we come before you and uh, We pray that you would help us to be all of those things, to be serving, to be praying, to be encouraging, and to be thankful. Lord, not because of anything that we've done or anything that that someone else has done for us, but because of what you have done through your son, Jesus Christ, that simply by putting our trust in him, you no longer see the, the dirty sin in our life. You see your sinless son, Jesus Christ, and you take pleasure in that. You rejoice in that. Lord, I pray if there is one here this morning who is yet to put their trust in Jesus Christ, maybe for the first time this morning, they're understanding, they're questioning what it means to be in Christ. Lord, I pray that this morning would be the day that they put their trust in you and we would know that there are angels rejoicing in heaven over that. pray for each of us as we go this morning, as we leave here, as we go back into your world, that we would recognize that because we are in Christ and because you love us, you are thankful for us, that that ought to change how we relate to one another. And if you can forgive our sin and you can look at us when Scripture says that our righteousness is as filthy rags and you can look at us and be thankful for us and love us, how much more ought we be able to love and be thankful for one another? Lord, would you strengthen us this week. Help us to know your power. Help us to know the hope of our inheritance. Help us to know you better. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.